Shaking, folks. It's a homie, Rodrigo. I'm back. All right, we're back. Uh, thank you f- uh, very much for everybody that uh, tuned into the last couple episodes. Thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, just please, 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 um, all the listenership. Uh, if you can, please uh, go to iTunes and drop a comment. That way, we can get the ratings up higher than they already are. Shout out to Jairo Gonzalez out there in Santa Barbara. Thank you very much for getting a Yeah Man t-shirt. Yeah, man. And ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to the Arlington Improv. That's right. This week. It's crazy, man. Time just flies, dude. One day you're over there in San Angelo, Texas. And uh, next week uh, you're over in Arlington, Texas. That's right, folks. Arlington, Texas. At the Arlington Improv. That's right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's going to be the uh, 29th through the 31st. Five shows. Uh, they are pretty much all, if not sold out, close to sold out. So please go get your tickets at felipezworld.com. And uh, that'll direct you to the correct links on the Improv uh, website. I'll be out there with Felipe Esparza. I believe Keith Manning's going to be there. Yo, what's up? Get off the field, man. You're right, man. Patriots did it again, man. Johnny Roque and myself, Rodrigo Torres Jr. Yo, check it out. And I'm going to apologize. Again, there was no apologies. There has been no apologies. I'm grateful of that. But this particular podcast, I'm going to have to apologize because I recorded with my new um, focus, uh, right? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, the interface that I got, which is uh, super awesome. However, I don't think I've mastered the um, the, uh, the 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 channels. I have two channels on here, essentially four, but I messed up yesterday recording with uh, the uh, gentleman that I'll have on the pod- podcast. I'll introduce him in a couple seconds, and um, yeah, um, it didn't work out. So my vocal is really low. However, uh, the beauty is that I just let the um, candidate talk. I let the guest talk. And uh, just, you know, uh, go off on uh, what is uh, the reason why he's running, uh, the factors involved, where he's from, and uh, what is our his opinions on some local issues. Uh, if you guys don't know, uh, in Riverside, there's going to be a municipal uh, election uh, uh, for the wards. I believe it's going to be uh, three or four wards, or I think three at the most. But there's a total of seven. I'm in the seventh ward, which is the last uh, piece of... Uh, uh, that uh, Riverside, the city of Riverside added uh, the, uh, the it belonged to the county of Riverside before and then I believe it was in the 70s if I'm not mistaken uh, so yeah, that's the 7th ward um, the guest today is from the 1st ward in uh, Riverside and it encompasses uh, downtown Riverside so uh, yeah um, he's a very uh, cool dude um, cool in the sense that uh, very approachable, very knowledgeable. I met him at a, it was an event for Mark Takano right before the midterms. Uh, if you guys are familiar with uh, 
the congressman, uh, Mark Takano, he's from the Riverside area. And uh, it took him a long time to finally get on board in Congress. Uh, he was trying for years. Um, there's a story, uh, I believe I read it in the Press Enterprise, but there's a story. Uh, he's a gay man. Not that that matters, but it's going to matter uh, because of the story. And uh, he was trying to unseat or challenge uh, Ken Calvert, who's been a mainstay in uh, Riverside politics uh, in, on the congressional level for a very long time. And uh, there is said where uh, he called him a uh, the F word in a in a in a, in public, and the F word uh, is not fat here. <laughs> it's a derogatory uh, derogatory term that's used uh, by folks um, that are either homo homophobic or uh, in some ways uh, not keen to the um, to the ways of. Um, a gay man or a gay America. And again, it didn't, didn't matter. It doesn't matter, but it did matter in that particular, uh, point in time. Uh, so, uh, regardless of the fact, uh, this gentleman, uh, went to Harvard. Uh, he was a teacher. I mean, uh, he, uh, put his, uh, his, uh, study into his community and, uh, now he's in Congress. So, uh, that's where I met him at, uh, along with another politician. Um, so, uh, this, uh, gentleman isn't a politician. He's a candidate. He's uh, on his quest to trying to become one. And uh, he was very cool. Uh, me and my lady went out there, said hello, and I hung out with him for a little while. And I said, would you like to podcast? And he said, oh, yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, uh, our schedules were able to, you know, come together. And uh, we took care of that yesterday. So um, I apologize for my um, – You can hear the, you can hear me, but it's very, very low. But the uh, uh, our guest, uh, you can definitely uh, hear. So uh, that's the important part. So uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I apologize again. Uh, it's quite embarrassing when you don't know how to uh, use uh, your equipment. But what we'll do is uh, we'll have uh, the gentleman back on uh, after for another for another podcast. And uh, that way we can get everything dialed in and it'll be uh, sounding uh, perfect uh, on both the uh, vocal ends. So, with no further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, oh, also, uh, remember, April uh, 9th in downtown Riverside at the Life Arts Center on the corner of Lemon and uh, University. We have Viva Los Jokes brought to you by uh, Division 9 Gallery, myself. Cosme Cordova, and it's going to be in Spanish. It's going to be uh, Long Live the Chistes. It's going to be in Spanish. I'm going to be there myself, uh, Martin Rizzo, uh, and Felipe Esparza. So please come out. It's 10 bucks at the door. Get there about 7 You should be cool. And, yeah, we'll have uh, loads of fun in historic downtown Riverside. And with that being said, please welcome. Uh, haven't had a guest on in a minute. Uh, nevertheless, this gentleman is uh, campaigning. Candidate for City Council, Ward 1, Philip Falcone. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah, Philip Falcone. Um, you're a candidate in the first ward here in the city of Riverside. 
And uh, you're from Riverside, born and raised? Wasn't born in Riverside. Uh, Where are you from? Originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, actually. Really? Yeah, my family moved out here in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina. Oh, wow. um, so really raised for the most of my my life in Riverside. You know, I was 10 years old when we moved out here. Um, so for, for most of my life, raised in Riverside. But um, have that experience of kind of living in a different place and then, you know, coming to Riverside and seeing um, this community. I, I often tell the story about when my family first moved here, you know, uh, we had lost everything in the hurricane, um, moved here with only five days worth of clothing in our suitcases. And um, it was the people of Riverside that um, really gave this this outpouring of, of love and, and service to my family by donating uh, clothes and, and books and household items and things like that, that I think really speak to this sense of community that many people talk about in Riverside. You know, there's Riverside uh, being a city as large as we are, 330,000 people, but everyone is some kind of way uh, intertwined and connected, it seems. You know, you always run into someone who, some kind of way you have maybe mutual friends or something in common. And I think that, when I, when my family first moved out here, was the immediate experience of that sense of community and uh, that sense of Riverside being this place where people, uh, people are really of service to one another and, and are dedicated to maintaining that, that sense of community. And that was really one of the things that caused me now to run for city council. You know, 14 years later, um, feeling this debt of gratitude to the city of Riverside and to the residents that, that gave so much to my family. Um, and now I want to, in turn, uh, give back to the community that, that did that for me. Yeah, and that's wild because as far as uh, New Orleans to Riverside, that's like a 360 split, right? Yep, yep. And uh, do you guys have family here? Or well, I um, uh, yeah. So we had um one relative that lived out here, and uh, so that's really what you know. It yeah, it's not you know it was that's kind of where what what yeah brought us to to Riverside. Um, come from a really large family in New Orleans, and and the vast majority of them still live there. Um, but we had one relative that lived out here in Riverside, and that's really what what got us from New Orleans um, to Riverside. Uh, my immediate family, so I'm, I'm one of I'm one of two siblings, but my um, larger extended family, you know, like my dad, we come from this big Italian family. There's there's yeah, there's a lot of siblings there in, in my dad's side of the family, and uh, holidays were always very large and um, very loud, <laughs> and and centered, of course, by by food and 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 culture and stuff like that. So yeah. Uh, I would pretty much be the first. I have um, I have a cousin who's very active in in law in New Orleans, but um, no one in in the family that has served as an elected official or is in Riverside government or is really in in, in any government. I um, uh, that's really I would kind of be the first one in that regard. You know, very polit a politically involved family. You know, interested in politics, have worked in various. Um, political campaigns, but I would be the first person in the family to be in elected office. Okay. And as far as uh, you guys, uh, you being a millennial, mm -hmm. you know, born in the digital age, the internet yeah. age, um, you can definitely see the difference with your constituents or with the people you're, you know, currently garnering your vote from. And also going back to what you said, that debt of gratitude that you feel to Riverside. That's one of the reasons why you're running. And in essence, it goes bigger question or the question is, why are you running? I'm sure that's what um, some folks ask you when you're knocking mm -hmm. on their door. Yep acclimating with them, you know, see, you know, they're figuring, trying to figure out what you're about and whatnot and see if you are that little uh, shiny ray of light yep. that they do need in this uh, particular ward here. 
Yeah, so the I always tell people the why. You know, your why is kind of what makes you get up out of bed every day and, and knock on all these doors and in some cases, you know, get yelled at by constituents or be praised, whatever it may be. You know, of course, it runs the gamut. And a lot of that, that you know, that debt of gratitude, I think, is a major why to it. You know, that's what gets me out of, out of bed each morning is that, you know, I owe this to the people of Riverside. I owe them a debt of gratitude. I owe them service because of what they've done for my family. You know, that's one piece of it. Another piece is, you know, representation on our city council um, is important to to everyone and that we have a city council that is not um, truly representative of the diversity that exists in Riverside. Um, we need to have younger voices at the table. We need to have uh, diverse viewpoints at the table. And, you know, Riverside was named in 2017 as the number one city by um, Time Magazine that, that millennials were moving to. And um, if if we're going to use that, and this, and many city leaders and and city government have used that kind of as this tagline for you know Riverside being this up and coming city, which which may very well be true, but I have a difficult time balancing that in my mind when you have a seven person city council, three chartered officers, you know the city manager, city clerk, city attorney, and then twelve department heads. So really, the twenty two people leading the city, and not a single millennial in any form of city leadership, elected and appointed. And I think that is a discrepancy in what is being said and what is being acted upon. You know, and so I think it comes back to um, one of the reasons I'm running is is to bring that voice for the next generation of leaders to the decision-making table. Um, and I think that's what's what's important in this. You know, so of course, it's that debt of gratitude, that that desire to serve this community, but also to bring a viewpoint to the table that has not previously um, been there. It's talked about, but not been there. It's mm -hmm. been hashtagged, but not reflected yep. in, uh, in uh, the office holders. I mean, pretty much I would say, not that I know, but just looking at it, And even more so than that, when it comes to elect, when it comes to elected office in Riverside, um, we're more in the the uh, 60, 65, and older range, which have an immense amount of wisdom and experience, which is very valuable. And so that's why what I try to tell people is this is, if for nothing else, it's about just widening the discussion and bringing more voices to the table. This is about how do we use the knowledge and experience that exists on this city council and the immense amount of wisdom. How do we use that? Um, to better the larger community and, and form these partnerships with, with the next generations as they're coming up. You know, together we have the ability to, to reach decisions and to look at problems so much more comprehensively and effectively when we have all those voices at the table. And that's really what it's about. You know, it's of course uh, having great respect and appreciation for the immense wisdom and knowledge that exists, but also bringing in new people to the discussion as well. Yes. And in this case, being a mail-in ballot, right? Yeah. So we're facing with we're faced with a sizable challenge. Now. And I was actually just talking to um, a college political science class last night. Ultimately, saying, you know, what it, it's you know, while yes, I'm a millennial, and I can and I know that our generation does not historically does not come out to vote, and that's a question that I cannot always a answer because people ask me, you know, why is it your generation does not vote? I have my ideas of what that is, but I was raised in a politically involved family. I was raised in um, a family that, you know, voting wasn't 
something that we took lightly, that it was really an obligation that you have. And so I have a difficult time. Yeah, this, that's, civ that's that civic duty, definitely. So I have a difficult time answering the question of why my generation doesn't get out to vote. So I kind of usually turn the question on its head and I ask then the people in which I'm presenting to, you know, what deters you? from wanting to get out there and vote. And many people say, you know, it's because we have um, a lack of seeing ourselves in those that are running for office, of seeing ourselves in the government. And so it kind of creates this apathy that it's like, you know, why even get involved when my voice is not even at the table? Now, I can push back, and what I usually do is say, well, your vote is what will <laughs> will ensure that someone gets to the table that, that truly represents you, you know? but. The, the millennial generation and the, and the 18 plus generation, you know, the Generation Z, um, they do not uh, typically come out to vote. And, and I think that's a shame. And I think it comes back to the education piece. It comes back to um, knowing that your vote has the ability to get someone that, that, that looks and sounds and things like you on the city council or on whatever governing body. And that's what the message we try to convey um, to them, at least when I'm out talking to people. Right. Yeah, and I th that's even one thing that was that one of the um, the poli sci students had mentioned to me is that you know there is such um, a, a duty to to do your due diligence to study up on various candidates or whatever you're voting for you know to know exactly who you're voting for. I look at you know yeah being an informed voter and and while yes there is a component of research that has to be done, but I think that that you know. Um, Peace is so much outweighed when you have the pride in knowing that you um, took the time to to do the research and vote for someone who you were confident will better the community in which you live. So yes, there is a, a component that if you're perhaps you know not don't come from a family like mine that um, is somewhat politically minded, where you do have a greater responsibility of of having to do that research, and that can be somewhat of a challenge. Um, so there is there is that piece, you know, and I think it just it all comes back to though that it's it's kind of a, it's a, it's a necessary it's that civic duty that we were talking about, you know. So it, it's worth taking the time to do the digging, to do the research, to find out, you know, um, who your city council and and people are, and your mayor is, and and the various Congress people and assembly people, and looking at their record, you know, and and seeing, you know, this person has been in office for 16 years, and what have they done? You know, look at it through that lens, or this person has been in some cases you know 20 plus years in elected office and have they gotten complacent have they gotten too comfortable have they not acted on what they have promised and what the voters have asked asked them to do those are important things that have to be weighed and um, I always urge people to take the time you know it's not going to take forever it will take some time but do the time to to find out and become informed because it is definitely worthwhile Like they're kind of left out. So 
you know, they don't matter until they start making money. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, another reason for, like, disengaging at the net zero interest in politics. Because that's also, too, like, a hobby. To be interested in politics, that's like being interested in sports. Which more people are interested in uh, sports. And especially politics, like, on a mainstream level, on a national level, opposed to a local yep. in your neighborhood. And that's what I try to tell people. For, I mean, politics could be a sport. For some people, it's a sport. Some people <laughs> more aggressive than others sometimes. But um, I always tell people that while I know that the, the state and federal um, politics and government election cycles are usually more glamorous, and what I mean by that is because they're portrayed more in, in mainstream media, they are have greater um, you know notoriety in that regard, but I say... Yeah, yeah, it def- definitely has that that component. But what I tell people is, while there may not be that at a uh, you know at a city council level or or a mayor level, um, this is where so much of the day to day stuff happens. So I think there's great. Um, yes, yes. You, I mean, it is. It, it means something when you can know who your council person is, and you can call them, you can look them in the eye, shake their hand, and and talk to them one on one and know exactly what they are about. You don't necessarily always get that um, with Congress or with State Assembly, for instance. Yeah, yeah. And right here with City Council folks, they do have a name, right? Yes. And you can actually email them. I mean, whether their response is going to fit your glove, that's two totally different things. But you can actually see government in action or the operational effects of it. Yeah, I mean, you can have, uh, you know, seven wards in Riverside, um, seven city council uh, assistants, the legislative field representative is their, is their technical uh, title. And that, those are the individuals that, in many cases, when you call a city council person's office, you'll usually get a hold of them. Um, and they are then able to kind of, you know, guide you where to go from there or to loop in the city council person or whatever it may be. But that is also, you know, uh, a vital piece of of the city council office you know it's not just about the city council person it's about having a staff whether it be one person or more in this case of course it's one person um having them also be part of this this whole process and 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 knowing what's going on and being up on the challenges that are facing the ward and what the various uh residents of the district feel you know so that is an important piece of it too and that's why it's very important to have a city council um person and legislative field representative that you know, you're confident in having your best interests at heart and is and is able to be responsive and, and get the job done in many regards. And in a city like ours, uh, we're over here in the first ward, I'm in the second ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see as far as any programs in the last eight years or the last decade that benefited the youth or most of uh, benefited the youth, senior citizens or uh, the older generation here in Riverside? Well, I know there's there's one program that I've worked extremely close with in particular um, during my time working at the Community Foundation um, here in downtown. It's uh, across from uh, the, the Mission Inn on Main and, and 6th. They are really a nonprofit organization that gets 45 uh, high school students each academic year and puts them through uh, really nonprofit 101 training. And what it ultimately does is over the course of these 10 months, these 45 young people are going through training that educates them on 
the value of philanthropy in our in our region the purpose of nonprofit organizations how do grants operate you know when you grant funding where does that where does that money usually come from and and how do you apply for it and what this what this team of, of young people are able to do is come February of this academic year that they're, that they're going through each cycle um, they receive grant applications from other nonprofits in the region that uh, support young people and give various services to young people and then these 45 high school students read and grade uh, these grant applications and are then able to together decide consensus build who they're going to fund. They're given a $10,000 pot of money each academic year and are able to fund various nonprofits. And, and I always fall back on the value in having these young people deciding how nonprofit dollars are being spent to benefit other young people in the region. So it's kind of this, this young people giving to other young people. And I think that is an example of something, you know, it's high schoolers from all of the high schools in, um, in the city of Riverside. And they are then able to have a direct impact on their community. And I think that gives them unique learning experiences of nonprofit and how and how funding works. That's kind of my area of expertise is, is the nonprofit realm. And I can see how, you know, the young people are being um, trained in knowing how philanthropy and nonprofit organizations work in our community. And I think that's a valuable asset. And that's something they're actually just celebrating their 10 year anniversary um, this coming June. And it's the Youth Grant Makers Program is the, is the title of, of this specific organization. And so for 10 years, they've been doing this and giving money to various nonprofits in the community. Well, that's actually so. The, the the slogan for my campaign is "Vision for the Future." You know, I'm focused on um, the long haul in Riverside. I'm focused on the big picture, um, long term solutions to problems that have been somewhat persistent. And I think if I were to give a critique of um, the way in which Ward One has been operated, or even the larger uh, city in, in regard to our city council, is we have been extremely short-sighted in many regards. We have been applying. Um, the same uh, what we think are solutions to persistent problems you know we have problems that are vastly modernizing and changing we have problems of the 21st century and we are applying solutions that are somewhat outdated and have become obsolete and I <laughs> perhaps I mean that, that that's one that's one way of putting it and so I, I look at you know why are we running around acting like our hair is on fire and and putting out um, you know, putting band-aids on various problems left and right when we're not realizing that the reason some of these problems are persistent is because we have not even looked at the potential of a long-term plan. An example of this would be our infrastructure in town. You know, we are going around where we are having failing infrastructure in various parts of our city and not realizing that if we do not um, methodically and strategically invest and go about improving our infrastructure, we are just putting band-aids over this wound that it will soon, you know, take over um, some of our and become some of our greatest challenges. You know, and I think that in terms of infrastructure, you know, we are coming to a point where much of our infrastructure is aging out. You know, much of our infrastructure is meeting kind of this 50-year threshold where a lot of it starts to deteriorate and get to a point of needing repair. And we are 
ultimately at a tipping point in terms of infrastructure and other things. And if we don't have that long-term approach, now I'm focused on the Riverside 25, 30 years down the line. Of course, we're, we're focused on the here and now as well, but you cannot go about just focusing on the here and now if you're not going to have that long-term approach. So that would be my greatest critique is it's very, we're, we're dealing with a city council that historically, and it's not of course any one person's fault, it's a collective because they are a team, we're dealing with a city council that have been somewhat short-sighted in many different realms. Well, the infrastructure was a big one. You know, homelessness is another is another big one. Yes. Yeah. Well, in the river bottom, too. The river bottom, and I know that's not, the river bottom is not, of course, unique to Ward 1. It runs along the entire western portion of our city. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, it does feed into our various wards. And, and the homeless topic is a very complex one. And it's one that definitely falls to maybe the, the number one greatest concern, and if not the number one, in the top three of, of every resident I talk to. And I think this is an example, again, of short-sightedness. So what has happened is... Um, we have gone about not addressing the affordable housing crisis, which in, in some re in respects feeds into the homeless crisis. We have gone about not addressing um, the shelter crisis. We have gone about not addressing the mental health crisis, the drug addiction crisis. I mean, the list can go on and on. Yeah, yeah. All, I mean, all those things really are feeders into what caused someone to become homeless. You know, I say you have uh, people that are homeless by circumstance. So perhaps they were laid off from their job and now, you know, you fast forward a few months, they've now lost their home and maybe they're living out of their car or they're couch surfing. That's still homeless. Yes, they're sheltered, but that's still homeless. Right, right. And it's funny because those don't really get looked at. Yep. Yep. Oh, look at that one there. There he goes. You know, he, he, even some people know some of them in the world, mm -hmm. opposed to the one that's actually a little a bit more concealed, may have a job, but doesn't have a mainstay or a home because community just not getting attention. Yeah, and that's, and that's another thing that I'm trying to push for, too, is that we regionally, because I, uh, first and foremost, I always say that, you know, we have to stop acting like homelessness is only a city of Riverside issue. Homelessness, of course, is a, is a regional, is a state, is a national issue. But I say, let's at least jump up to the next level and focus on, and focus on, um, addressing homelessness regionally, you know, the county of Riverside, loop in our various county agencies. You know, I've had uh, two county supervisors tell me that we have a region that with multiple municipalities do not have a common definition of what it means to be homeless. And what that really means is that you have some cities that say, if you're couch surfing, if you're living in your car, you're not homeless. And therefore, we don't include you in our homeless count, which then goes to the state and federal government and, al and gets money allocated for our region. So our numbers then in that regard are suppressed. And then that means our money is less uh, in terms of funding. So I think that's an example of, you know, we're not thinking regionally. Um, we're not thinking long term and how we can address some of those and some, some of those needs. Um, but as you were saying, yeah, all those pieces, you know, the by circumstance, the, the drug addiction, the mental health, I mean, all those things feed into homeless. Yep. Uh, are the 
In, in late 2018, uh, Mayor Bailey and I went down into the river bottom with some of the um, officers from the police department in Riverside, and we went down predominantly with uh, a drive to talk to those living in the various encampments and get an idea of what is their specific story. You know, are they from, as you're saying, are they from Riverside? Are they from Orange County? Um, are they willing to receive services, the, the things that we can offer from a, a city perspective? So we went down there, uh, spent half of a day down in, in the river bottom talking to various individuals who went to o well over 30 encampments, talking to people. And the vast majority um, said that they were whether maybe not born in Riverside, but were, were Riversiders nonetheless. You know, maybe went to high school in Riverside, went to college in Riverside, and then have now ended up where they are. And that, I think, um, is an example of, you know, this kind of storyline that we hear that Orange County is shipping all their homeless individuals to Riverside. That's what I to get yes, I, and I, I cannot, you know, validate that. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if, if that is true. I've heard it through, in essence, uh, in a rumor state. So it's nothing official. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I and I have yeah, I have no way to to verify or validate that and I don't know if that's necessarily um, where we shouldn't be focusing our efforts just because you know we do have needs from from riversiders that are homeless and, and in our river bottom and in our downtown and our various neighborhoods and whether they are from of course orange county or riverside nonetheless they are here and there is a need and we are not going to let's say that orange county has brought them here you know just speaking in a, in a hypothetical let's say that that is the case we're not going to um really stoop to something that I, that I consider is unethical. I mean, that's really unethical and illegal in many regards uh, behavior. So we, of course, as Riverside, would never stoop to that level. And so um, whether then they are from Riverside or from other locations, we need to do all that we can in our power to address the need that is here and those that are, that are experiencing homelessness in Riverside. We have in in you know all and all the different wards. You know, even taking ward not just being ward one specific. All across the wards, we have heard the same uh, concerns being expressed. At least I know for the last 14 years. I mean, we have um, experienced a lot of the same things being expressed, and it, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, where we are now um, trying to solve solutions, or excuse me, solve problems with solutions that are somewhat. Um, tired <laughs> that have somewhat been tried and have not proven to yeah yeah I mean they've, they've not been proven to be effective and so we have to have a new outlook at addressing some of these uh, some of the greatest concerns of our day or if we don't do that we are going to be um, I believe guilty of uh, causing the same things to be happening I mean if if, if we're not pleased with where um, some of our greatest problems have gone you know if we're not pleased with where the homeless concern has been for the last 15 years, then clearly uh, we have not done you know, th the best in our ability of, of addressing it. You know, So I think there's so much room to go. And yes, some of these concerns have been persistent and, and have been um, long run when it comes to what have been concerns at the forefront of various city council elections.
Well, what I um, when I first started getting involved in politics, you know, I um, was really focused on how do we get as many diverse viewpoints to the table as possible, predominantly um, women in the political scene. And, um, and we've seen, of course, more and more of that as time has progressed on in the last recent both state and national um, elections. And so I knew that when I wanted to form my team, um, you know, I have a, a fairly large campaign committee um, and a fairly large volunteer base. I knew that when I wanted to form my um, campaign committee, that it would be individuals that bring that unique um, view, those unique viewpoints to the table. And so I made it where it's an overwhelmingly um, woman-run campaign. I have um, uh, from my campaign manager all the way down through walkers, it's overwhelmingly um, women, overwhelmingly people that um, are longtime Riversiders, people that have lived in Ward 1 or Riverside for well over 50, 40 years. I mean, I think that is important because this proves that it's all um, locally run, um, that it is the, the residents that are, that are helping get us uh, to, to victory in that regard. So I think that's an important thing. You know, I always tell people that, that we are, of course, focused on the future of Riverside. You know, so we are making sure that everyone is incorporated along the way and that making sure that we, as we progress on and look at the long term in our city, that we are ensuring that everyone is included and that all those voices are at the table and involved in our campaign. And so I say, you know, the best way I can do that is ensure that my team will will represent that and also I've even taken it a step further and said that once on the City Council um, I'm going to take it very seriously the various appointments that the City Council people make to the boards and commissions in the City of Riverside you know we have 15 boards and commissions in Riverside roughly 150 uh, city commissioners I'm fortunate to be one of them but I'm only one of three Millennials out of 150 board and commission members that serve our city. Um, we have a very um, specific, for lack of a better word, uh, demographic that is represented on our boards and commissions. So I've said yes, you know, I've proven that I am bringing these important viewpoints to my campaign committee and campaign volunteer base table, but I'm also committed to doing it once elected on the city council. And when I look at my various appointments, I think that is important. And that is really expecting an elected official to put their money where their mouth is. You know, it all sounds great to say it, but I've taken a pledge to actually do it once elected. I have a very um, strict rule uh, when it comes to monies in which I accept uh, in this campaign. I'm very proud that I'm the only candidate in Ward 1 um, that has all been locally funded. Um, 100 percent of my donations have been from the County of Rin Riverside. 95 percent of those donations come from the City of Riverside. So I mean this is very locally funded. I do not accept money from out of state. I do not accept money really from, you can tell, from out of the region even or out of the county. And I also do not accept money from um, from major developers or from those that are building things like warehouses, things that I'm very much against. You know, and does it make it more difficult when it comes to 
uh, getting a, a budget that is able to do all that you're wanting to do. Yes, it does make it more difficult, but I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I, again, want this to be locally funded. And I, st and I stand proud in that being the only candidate that has done that and is willing to take a pledge saying, you know, I'm not going to accept money from states all across the country. I'm not going to accept money from developers and big companies in Los Angeles and Orange County. I think that is, um, you know, not appropriate for this race. Yeah, well, I even say, too, with, with political action committees, I mean, I, I find it very difficult for someone to say that they are going to, let's say, receive a 15 or $10,000 check from a political action committee and that they will not feel persuaded to show some form of favoritism to them. I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah, because if they call, you're definitely going to have to take the call. Yes. And, uh, so, and I would not want myself or any other, for that matter, elected official to be put in that uh, position. So that's why I say, you know, from the start, you need to come out of the gate being willing to pledge that you're not going to go down that route. Because, um, you know, with all the best intentions you may have, it's very difficult to to feel not indebted to someone when they have given you a large sum. And so that's why, you know, as we're talking about the act, the political action committees, um, I'm, I'm more than willing to take a donation, but it's not going to be a sizable donation. You know, I kind of, we put, we put various thresholds on, um, on how much we're going to accept from people because we want it to be, you know, locally funded. And that's if, if you know, because we do have political action committees in the city of Riverside. You know, we have the Greater Riverside of uh, Chamber of Commerce Political Action Committee and others that, yeah, it's locally funded. This is from Riverside business owners. You know, so there, that has to be taken into consideration, you know. And that's where I would then be willing to, you know, look at, you know, well, how are we going to be going about doing it? How much money are we going to accept from them if, you know, we were chosen to uh, to be given a donation you know but so that's where you have to look at that piece of course if, if we get larger and larger out of Riverside then it's 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 a non-starter for me in that regard but you know there are action committees political action committees in Riverside and I think we have to be very careful because depending on the the amount of money that you given it can um, portray and also put you in a corner where you feel that you are indebted to that to that organization yeah Yeah, we haven't necessarily tweaked or changed anything. You know, I've always been um, from, you know, February of 2018 when I officially filed until now. You know, we've always been focused on how are we addressing the long-term challenges of infrastructure? How are we addressing the long-term challenges of development in our downtown and doing so in a responsible way? How are we addressing the long-term approach? to addressing homelessness and key quality of life concerns. So the platform in that regard has always pretty much stayed consistent. I think the only thing that maybe has, has shifted is that we have um, focused ourselves on looking at as many um, pieces of government that may be in, in Riverside that have not been as effective and has not been focused on the long term. Yes, you know, we were proposing about the infrastructure and we still are, the infrastructure, the development, the quality of life, but there are also 
other pieces of, of city government that have not been focused on the long haul and long term. And so it's really now has expanded into, you know, yes, we're focused on these three areas, but we're also focused on the, you know, the long term approach to everything that is facing our city. You know, this is about the big picture planning, you know, and that has kind of um, has shifted a little bit. But what we've been very proud in, and we being, you know, my, my committee and my volunteers and I have been proud that as we're out talking to residents, um, our message is, is resonating very well with them because they know that these are really the greatest concerns of our day. Um, and you know, I've kind of been around uh, Riverside government, um, having worked in City Hall and, and been very active in Riverside government for the last uh, four years or so, that, um, that I'm very <laughs> up to date on what are the, some of the greatest challenges that we're facing, you know, whether it be from what's happening at a city council meeting all the way to what are the concerns at a small neighborhood group meeting. You know, yeah, so it's, it's, having, it's having known and experienced all that and also having seen how things um, operate in our various um, departments within City Hall. You know, that's, that's critical too. Having that City Hall experience is, is vital to, being, to be uh, effective in knowing how things get, get done in, in City Hall and, and how it operates, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, um, with our city We had um, the, the planning commission and the city council somewhat had, um, or a few planning commissioners and, and various city council members had somewhat of a disagreement on their um, idea of what was appropriate city planning and city policy in terms of, of, of cannabis. And what I, what I have always told people and what I continue to say is, you know, we have to look at um, what the voters have said. In uh, Ward 1 in particular, and over... Yes, yes. Well, and also an example of, I, even, I always push this representative democracy. You know, you vote for someone, um, putting your faith and your hope that they are going to accurately represent the, yes, yes. So in, so in Ward 1 in particular, an overwhelming majority uh, voted in favor of legalization of marijuana when it was on the, um, of course, the, the ballot in 2016 for our, for our election. And um, of all the wards, Ward 1 had the largest vote in favor of. And so what that tells me, as both a candidate and a future elected official, is that um, you, the community has spoken and has told you how they wish you to go about doing this. Now what the, what the responsibility and obligation of the city council person would be is you have to then look at how do we go about with proper rules and regulation to ensure that we, yes, listen to the uh, voices and the vote in which the community, um, you know, s kind of sent our way, but how do you do it in a way that is responsible and also ensures that we are looking at all the various components? So when it comes down to, would I be in favor of it? I would be in favor of it because the voters have spoken to do it, and also that we have an opportunity to really add another revenue stream into our general fund when we are faced with right now a point in time where we're faced with some sizable fiscal challenges we need to be looking at and not turning away any opportunity That's a realistic yes yes so I mean and we had a, and, and I was at the, the City Council meeting where this was most recently discussed and of course we have um, a City Council that I think took a stance that was really rooted in, in, in fear and was rooted in um, somewhat of a political agenda and I think that's unfortunate because 
when we when we come at topics with that point of view, we are really shortchanging um, all the opportunity that exists in our city when we come all come to the table and look at meaningful and effective uh, policy and regulation to to make something work. So I think that was somewhat of an unfortunate. Um, thing that happened in the various council meeting when they most recently decided to put a moratorium on recreational uh, cannabis in the city of Riverside. Right. And uh, again, that's going to definitely come up in the future. Yes. So, uh, you know, we definitely prepared for that. And anything you would you like to say to your constituents and uh, the public at large uh, your uh, campaign? Well, I think that, you know, we have proven um, in, in this race, in this, you know, year or so that we are <laughs> extremely uh, energized and dedicated and, and passionate about the various things that, that we're pushing for. You know, um, I, I tell people that doing this for, you know, over a year now has proven that I'm in this for, for the long run and for the betterment of the community. You know, this is not um, about just showing up a few months before the election and expecting <laughs> everyone to, to kind of, you know, to vote for you and support you. This is about putting in the time, the effort, the work, um, having the experience and the knowledge necessary to, to be the right to be the right choice in, in Ward 1. You know, I think that is what is so vital. You know, it's about, of course, bringing that, that freshness and that, that new outlook to the table. But it's also about knowing how our government operates and having been in Riverside and, and know all the nuances of Riverside government, but also the, the larger community. Those two things together, I think, um, make for the right choice of, of who to elect to the city council, you know, because it really, it brings in the best of both worlds. It brings in that knowledge experience and brings in that new outlook, which is, which are both so important. So I think that's something that, that we've been very proud of, you know. Um, I, I'm proud that, uh, that we've just, that we've just worked as hard as we possibly can and that we haven't shied away from challenges. We haven't shied away from adversity and we haven't shied away from, um, you know, getting out and, and pounding the pavement and knocking on the doors. So everything is Falcone for Ward 1. So, of course, Falcone, my last name, and then F-O-R for Ward, and then the number one. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're on, we're on all uh, those social media platforms. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's the podcast with Rodrigo Torres. Yeah, man. Yo, don't forget, please go to iTunes and drop a little comment. Also, I will be back later this week, Friday, maybe Saturday. Who knows? And uh, yeah, for another solo podcast. So uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, nothing but joy over here. Kiss it each. <laughs> yeah, man. So thank you guys very much for listening. Also, uh, yeah, man, t-shirts are um, on deck. Please uh, get one if you are interested in getting one. And uh, hit me on the DMs and uh, I will ship it as soon as the uh, payment is received. Also, here's a little gem, uh, a little comedy recording that I uh, found. So, uh, Enjoy this and continue to shine. Yeah, man.
Now we always have seeds, huh? I bought a quarter pound one time, I had like 30,000 seeds. I said, fuck it, I bought a bird. <laughs> Sitting there smoking in my tiny whiteies and shit. Looking like a Calvin Klein plus size model. <laughs> a certified muffin top. Okay, birds of the life. Hey, dog, let me get a little hit. I was like, what the fuck? Brace yourself, little player. A little boy was like, oh. hell yeah. How do fish get high? Roaches are everywhere in the microwave, huh? in the freezer and shit. 
I guess I just fucking wipe my feet on the wall. <laughs> they always blame everybody out, but then, huh? They come from the neighbor's house. <laughs> the dirty dishes too, bitch, or what? <laughs> you start working, you're like, God damn, there's a lot of roaches. <laughs> was, are you thirsty? Hell no. What don't roaches like? Cleaning? They don't like cleaning? <laughs> They're looking around that little pad bug. You don't like cleaning either, huh? <laughs> I sprayed a massage parlor one time, man. Like an Asian massage parlor. Huh? You go to a regular massage parlor, massage envy, they give you special underwear, so you don't get an erection that's your toys. <laughs> that's what I came for. <laughs> you go to an Asian massage parlor, huh? a little chino right there, fucking children with little high heels, huh? Toenails all painted, a little thong on and shit. Little titties, black hair, she's 80, still looking fine. <laughs> Would you like her to come inside, the big man? Do you like her to come inside? It's like, come inside? I thought that shit was extra. <laughs> okay, I'll follow me. I'll follow me. I'll cash, I know EBT, I'll follow me. She's not even going anywhere, huh? Follow me. Follow me. Bump into her, huh? Ah, too sooner! Mexican men always so holy. You can't get high with Asian people, huh? I mean, you can, but a half hour later they're gonna be like, Oh, who turned off the lights? Oh.